Welcome back to Love Letters and Mixtapes. I'm so glad you're here. After you listen to today's episode, please make sure to like, subscribe, and share. So today, I thought we should have a long overdue conversation about a common human experience that pretty much no one ever wants to talk about. (laughs) And that sentence right there could definitely be the descriptive tagline for this whole podcast, actually. But today we're talking about the dark night of the soul and what to do when everything goes wrong and nothing feels right. Maybe you don't relate, or maybe you've had a year similar to myself and basically every other person I know where we were served an overwhelming dose of life on life's terms and were brought to our knees either physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, or financially. Whatever it is or was, you belong here. If you've been living at the crossroads and are completely unsure of what to do next or feel as if you don't have enough energy or information to make the right decisions, welcome. (laughs) I'll just say that, welcome, because we've all been waiting for you. So let's dive in with the phrase I used in the intro, the dark night of the soul. You've probably heard it before. But to offer a bit of background in history, this phrase is based on a 16th century poem by St. John of the Cross. The poem is eight stanzas of five lines each, and it narrates the journey of the soul into union with God. St. John himself wrote, In the first verse, the soul tells the mode and manner in which it departs as to its affection from itself and from all things dying through a true mortification to all of them and to itself to arrive at a sweet and delicious life with God. My God. Um, (laughs) Do any of you feel as if you are currently in a sweet and delicious life with God? Peeking out from my own bunker located at the crossroads of what on earth is happening and what am I supposed to do? I can say with absolute certainty that I would not describe my current relationship with the universe as sweet or delicious, but I believe it's out there waiting for me. What I do know is that the phrase, the dark night of the soul, is often misused or misinterpreted, and I think many people use it to describe the feelings that come up when they struggle with difficulties in their life. What the poet was actually referring to was the purging process that one undergoes on their path to spiritual or divine union. So this purging is followed by illumination and then by union. To me, it sounds as if he is saying that absolutely everything is happening on time. And even those moments that we feel are full of confusion or discomfort are a necessary step to getting where we ultimately want to go. And according to him, it's the mystical journey of being guided toward God. He's also saying that it is the light of our soul that leads us on this journey. Or conflict resolution skills or communicate on a deeper level. All of those things are forging a new path. And it doesn't mean that it's wrong. It has less value or is in any way less meaningful or meant to be. Maybe it's precisely because of these obstacles that the path has depth and weight. When we look at our own lives, 
Maybe the questions we need to ask ourselves are, what forces me to tell the truth about my life, my relationships, my thoughts and feelings, or what I want or need? What circumstances won't allow me to lie to myself or others anymore? And as I'm talking about this, I want to make it completely clear that I'm not a person who likes to chime in at inappropriate moments and say things like, everything happens for a reason, you know? That is, that is not my energy. I do have the ability to sit with someone and be with them in moments of real pain, confusion, and despair. And I know people who have done that for me. It's not about tying a bow around anything or simplifying something down to just a math equation of one plus one equals so-and-so, and and now we're here, so it, it all happened for a reason. But maybe it's just about not running from life or raging at life or fighting life. I guess I like to look at these moments as awakenings and not the fairy tale awakenings where we stretch in the sunrise and Birds chirp around us, bringing our robe and flowers sprout beneath our feet every time we walk. This is not a Disney awakening. This is a spiritually hungover awakening. When we wake up in our clothes from the day before and the alarm clock is blaring and we keep hitting snooze until we finally break the alarm and it just keeps blaring and we open our eyes and realize we are late for the big exam. This is the light being turned on when I thought I was comfortable in the dark. And that is the type of awakening I'm talking about that we experience through the dark night of the soul. I want to take a moment to thank the sponsor of this podcast. Snake River Roasting Company is an organic coffee roaster located in the beautiful mountains of Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Not only do they roast award-winning coffees, but their mission and commitment to supporting the rights of women farmers around the world are just incredible. I start every single morning with a cup of their Fire on the Mountain organic coffee blend. And if you're anything like me, and you're particular about what you eat and drink and how it's sourced, Snake River Roasting Company has a free shipping code for you to give their delicious coffee coffee a taste. Head to their website, snakeriverroastingco.com, and use the code COFFEELOVE at checkout for free shipping on all domestic coffee orders. And these dark nights of the soul, these messy awakenings, bring so much to the surface. Who on earth wants to be reborn when you're just trying to get through a Tuesday, or file your taxes, or put your kid to bed? You want to say to the universe, just leave me alone and let me live. And it's almost like the universe spits right back. That's exactly what I'm doing. It's just that you have to die a little bit first. On my own journey, that always seems to be the point of struggle. Grasping to the old life or the old thoughts or relationships or way of reacting. The discomfort really occurs when I won't let go of what I was or what I had so I can reach for what I could be. I've often said that the death of who we used to be will lead us to the birth of who we are meant to be. And when I say that at the beginning of a yoga class or when I lead a meditation or support group or when I'm speaking at a meeting, I mean, it sounds so good, right? (laughs) You know, the death of who you used to be will lead to the birth of who you're meant to be. I mean, I sound wise and holy like I have God on speed dial, but check in on me. 
when I lose someone I love or something goes terribly wrong or I'm unwilling to surrender some part of myself, check in on me then and ask, so do you still feel like the death of who you used to be will lead to the birth of the person you're meant to be? I mean, definitely not. (laughs) And I still don't think that that makes me weak or bad or wrong in any way. It makes me human, which is what I came here to be. I think there's a lot of confusion surrounding how we show up in these moments. I have not failed some spiritual test if it takes me a while to surrender or to show up or to become willing. I haven't failed. I am on a detour and adjusting to the new path created by the obstacle. The obstacle is creating the path and I'm still there. I think sometimes we want to believe that alchemy is just the end result instead of the entire process. We want to tell ourselves it's magical. It's standing on the mountaintop instead of the actual climb. But alchemy occurs in stages. The decomposition process or the negredo is the first of three phases and it's absolutely necessary. Something has to decompose. It's not an interruption. It's actually a cleansing process that prepares us for the next stage. And it demands things from us. It demands accommodation. It demands that we strip down to the core and release what we don't need. Willingness is the word that comes to mind when I'm talking about this. And when am I actually willing to be willing? Not when I think I'm right or I have options or I know better than the entire universe, which, let's be honest, so many of us spend the majority of our lives in that trap. I become willing when I'm stripped of what I think I know. Up is down, nothing makes sense, and it's all perfect. How infuriating is that, that the chaos is the perfection? But this state takes us to a place of openness, beginner's mind, a place where we are willing to be different or to try something different. Maybe let go of what helped us survive and make room for things that will teach us to thrive. I literally hate rhyming, and I hate myself a little bit for saying it that way, but that's what it is. It's the difference between surviving and thriving. What I'm trying to say is maybe I need to be stripped of all the meaning that I assign to things. I need the scales to fall from my eyes so I can see what was always in front of me in a whole new way. And that would probably serve me better, and still I fight the process every step of the way. My friend Dan met me at a very interesting time in my life. I had just accomplished all of these incredible things, and yet it was all about to be taken from me, and I had no idea. Throughout the entirety of our friendship, I lost a home and everything I own in a hurricane. The people and family members closest to me passed away relationships ended, and I mean, even two weeks before he died, I was robbed for like the third time. (laughs) This was not my winning streak. It was not the highlight reel of my life. I mean, it was awful to have someone witness it. I just wanted to crawl into a hole and not be seen at all. But he walked beside me through all of it with a lot of understanding and compassion. And he never once said, Everything happens for a reason, (laughs) because that doesn't help us when we're in the dark night of the soul. But what did help me was something Dan also used to tell me. And he used to say that if I ever wanted to change my life 
or make a big change in the world that I should start by cleaning out my sock drawer. Not like literally my sock drawer, (laughs) but more along the lines of start where I am with what I have and do what is in front of me. Do the dishes, clean the car, pay the bills, get life in order, and just continue to take the next indicated action and do the next right thing that is directly in front of me. And that is actually what reminds me of alchemy. You know, the part of me that wants to shoot for the moon or make a bold move or move across the country, change jobs, burn my life to the ground. You know, sure, why not? That all sounds amazing. But first, why don't we take out the garbage? Literally and figuratively, like take out your own garbage. Don't overlook the small steps in the process that the world wants to tell us is meaningless. These small steps create a foundation of trust and intuition within ourselves, and that is essential for making those bigger shifts and bigger life changes. Because we're developing muscle memory when we do these things, when we clean house. And maybe while I'm focusing on getting out of my own way, washing the dishes, folding the laundry, paying the bills, the universe is weaving something together that fits me perfectly. And just without my consent, without my input, without my, oh, I'm going to fix it this way. Perhaps if I'm busy getting my life in order, things are coming together that I just can't see. And my desperate need to take action would have interrupted that process. That literal and figurative advice of cleaning out my sock drawer has saved me time and time again. 2020 took away so many things from all of us, but one thing it provided was the space to dive deep into relationships and dynamics that already existed in our lives, and not without a little bit of pain at times. Without the usual opportunities to disperse energy with new friendships, adventures, experiences, and just the familiar drumbeat of our everyday lives, we were all invited to turn inward. And sort out those relationships, those fears, that shame, the resentments. I mean, how many resentments came up in 2020? (laughs) But also we got to work out the love. And ultimately, I believe that this practice strengthens our ability to be in acceptance. Acceptance of where we are, who we are, and what is being asked of us is sometimes such a great relief. If I call something by its correct name, maybe I can do something about it instead of being at odds with the entire universe. And when we remove ourselves from worrying about the future or perseverating on the past, we can heal the present and show up in body, mind, and spirit. I mean, maybe, possibly. There's a beautiful quote by Terence McKenna that always helps me to take a heroic dose of willingness or surrender or acceptance when I'm at my own personal crossroad. He says, nature loves courage. You make the commitment and nature will respond to that commitment by removing impossible obstacles. Dream the impossible dream and the world will not grind you under. It will lift you up. This is the trick. This is what all these teachers and philosophers who really counted, who really touched the alchemical gold, this is what they understood. 
This is the shamanic dance in the waterfall. This is how magic is done, by hurling yourself into the abyss and discovering it's a feather bed. That quote gives me chills every time I read it because I think of moments in my life when I just knew that to be the absolute truth. And as much as I wish that the challenging times in my life could be cured by potent words on a page, I do know that strengthening my emotional muscles is one of the best ways to help me stay willing, open, flexible, and honest. In my previous episode on emotional sobriety, I spoke about the impact of daily journaling and how important it is to develop that muscle when life is flowing so that you can depend on that muscle when there is crisis or chaos. There's this resistance that arises in challenging moments. Who wants to talk about what hurts or how insecure you are or how you failed? And if we don't want to talk about it, we definitely don't want to write about it. At least that's what I tell myself. If I can move through that initial discomfort and recognize that it is discomfort and not actual pain, I can anchor into what I really want to say, what truth belongs on the page, and trust that I deserve the time and the space to share my own truth out loud even if I'm the only one reading or listening. I also believe that community can be helpful, especially during those moments when we feel as if we are the walking embodiment of cringe come to life. And there have definitely been chapters of my life that that's, you know, that's it. You would just call it cringe. And to be present with others, to be seen and heard, to be validated, supported, encouraged, connected, These are all so beneficial during those moments when we tell ourselves, oh, I don't need those things. I don't want anyone to see what's going on with me right now. I'll come back outside when I'm all put together and shiny and everything's great. But connection during these moments is how we build trust. We build that trust and connection by being human, sharing our truth, and walking beside other people. Ram Dass said it best. He said, we are all just walking each other home. And as much as I want to be the lone wolf, especially when I'm in pain or self-conscious, I know that I need a pack. I need that energy exchange. And the most challenging thing is, they need me too. (laughs) And I don't, you know, when you're in the dark night of the soul, you think you have nothing to offer anyone, and you absolutely do. Because we don't build trust with others by forcefully telling them to trust us. I know some people who try to do it that way. And although I don't do it that way, I just, I don't think it works. We build trust by sharing our experiences, thoughts, and feelings. And letting people in. Letting people see us. So I'm sure that this is a topic I will return to often. Even as I record this, I'm standing at my own personal crossroad, not wanting to take my own advice, just being very human, looking for someplace small, dark, and familiar to hide away in, when the reality is the universe is asking me to step up and be present in the light. Until next week, make sure to hit the follow button on your favorite podcast listening platform, check out this week's music playlist on my personal Spotify account, And join me on Instagram at loveletters 